Welcome to When God Breaks Through, a podcast designed to look at the messy moments in motherhood and show how the gospel applies in practical ways, giving us hope and grace as we interact with our own kids. You'll hear crazy stories and life lessons from my mothering of eight kids. But more importantly, you'll hear the hope Jesus offers us for peace and not anxiety, for grace both for ourselves and to extend to our kids, and wisdom to point them to Him. I'm your host, Bethany Kimsey. Welcome back to The Kitchen Table We are in the middle of a series called um, Mothering in the Summertime and Establishing Rhythms at Work. And last week, we talked about understanding, first of all, and asking ourselves this question on an ongoing basis. Am I shepherding my child or am I behaving or acting like a sheepdog towards my child? And the defining Um, emphasis of that question really is in, am I as a shepherd leading from out front, calling my child by name and expecting them to follow me? Meaning we, I have equipped and we are engaged in a relationship that allows me to lead from the front. Or am I a sheepdog needing to push and herd, manipulate, cajole, uh, and drive my children or my child forward in life? And we talked last week that In order to be able to be a good shepherd, we're going to need to spend time with the good shepherd. And we looked at the fact that in Psalm 23, it identifies what the shepherd does for us. John 10, Jesus says, listen, my sheep hear my voice and I'm going to guard and protect them. I am not like a hired hand and I will guard them from the wolf and from all danger. And they know me. And so last week we talked about establishing morning rhythms, creating a space in the day for us to spend time ourselves with the Lord and ways in the day that we can introduce and help our children begin to understand the voice of the Good Shepherd. How can we do that so that they are hearing Him, so that we're beginning to create conversational time and purposeful space for them to learn the gospel and learn who Jesus is. So if you missed that episode, I'm going to encourage you to go back and listen to it because I think it is worthy of you understanding the heartbeat that we're trying to have, not really just for summer, but we're using this. This is a great break time for us to put into practice and kind of stumble through for a few weeks or months and get it where it actually is flowing through our family's current through the way our family functions. So today we're going to be talking about the rhythm of connection. You know, this is going to cover everything from our kids fussing and squabbling with one another to tantrums to boredom. It's going to kind of hit all that because when we can kind of shift our mindset and go, I I'm the one who establishes rhythms of connection in my home. And I can begin to understand what does that mean? What does that mean to establish rhythms of connections? What are my goals there? Then whether I'm facing a a child tantruming on the floor, 
a teenager stomping up the stairs because they're angry because I said no to something, a two other kids who are totally annoyed because they're not somebody's not sharing with somebody else or they're occup- they're just breathing the same air together and they're annoyed with one another. Whatever the issues are relationally, I understand I'm called as a shepherd going out ahead of my children in a rhythm of connection. And I'm the one who puts that into place. And I'm praying for that to be established in my home. I am actively asking the good shepherd, show me how, give me eyes to see, let me know what I am to do, what I am to say, what I am to not say. How am I to phrase this? This is what we're going to be looking at today. The rhythm of connection. The first thing I want you to understand is maybe your own mindset. We're going to look at a passage of scripture. It's in 1 Peter 4, verses 8 through 11. It says, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks of oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength of that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Y'all that's our shepherd leading us forth. And he's saying, mama, listen to my voice. I'm calling you above all else. Keep loving everyone in your home earnestly. There's an implication of work in that. You see, the love that we are called to love one another with is not a love that is of our own nature easy. And and yes, I agree. I naturally love my children in the sense of like, I mean, I'm going to step in front of anybody who tries to hurt my child and I will tear you apart if you were to do something against one of my children. Like I love my babies. But this is talking about active loving And there are many days that I'm not actively acting in love. I'm not loving earnestly. I'm selfish, selfish a lot. I'm impatient. Some days I'm just hard hearted. I'm just not really interested in anyone but me. And I don't know if I'm the only mama who sometimes gets up and just feels that way. But the good shepherd is saying, love one another earnestly. Walk behind me. Walk in my footsteps. This is what we are called to do. Why? I find this passage so interesting since love covers a multitude of sins. So we're going to be talking, we're talking this week about the rhythm of connection. And I want you to understand this property, this value. You see you last week, we talked about the fact that you are a pace setter in your home meaning that how you establish morning rhythms or the rhythms of devotions in your home is important. You set the pace. You decide how many activities are happening in your day. And my encouragement to you last week was to be wise and not put many activities. Let this be a time where your children can find rest for their souls, for their minds, where they can just play quietly and just do activities that aren't full of stimulation. 
But in the same way that you are a pace setter, your love can either be contagious and run through your home or what most oftentimes can happen in a home, certainly happens in our home a lot, is sin is contagious. And so frustration, fussiness, argumentativeness, irritation, somebody being annoyed is contagious. And we are temperature setters in our home. How we choose to act, whether we choose to love earnestly or not, sets a temperature in our home for the day. And either the temperature runs really hot because everybody's all snippy snappy, or children begin to learn and, you know, yes, you'll correct. I promise you'll correct. I mean, you can be the most perfectly even keeled temperature setter that day and you're still going to have kids who are not because everybody's a sinner in the side of the house. But the more you say, you know, my goal today is to set this temperature of love. And so however I can engage with my children that encourages them to choose love, to choose care, to understand what it says in 1 Corinthians about in 1 Corinthians 13 about what love is and help them know though that this love is not something they can just drum up on their own. This is a spirit-sourced love that it comes from the spirit within. It comes because Jesus was loving to us. It is it is sourced in him. And when I lead them to that, again, remember we talked last week, we are just the one that acts like the pivot to point them to Jesus. So yes, we're going to say, hey, we're going to act loving today, but let me pivot you and help you understand why. And it's because of this, because ultimately in everything, God could be glorified in our home through Jesus Christ. And then verse 9 to me is probably the most um, humbling and challenging verse. And it may sound like it shouldn't be, but it says, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. And y'all, we live in a grumbling mother culture. I'm guilty of it. Totally guilty of it. I ex- I accept grumbling. I welcome it almost. I laugh at the memes about grumbling mother culture. How could my kids do this? Oh my gosh, roll my eyes. They're so whatever. It's grumbling mother culture and we accept it. And what happens is when we get when I begin to wallow in it, when I begin to uh, engage in it more and more when I begin, it begins to crop up in my own thoughts. So I begin grumbling in my thoughts about what my kids do or don't do or how annoying this is, or, Oh my gosh, why do they do that? Or, um, instead of showing hospitality, one of the greatest things that Troy and I have used as a benchmark question for us is when we, when it's talking about interacting with our children, is would we interact this way with someone else's child? It's a hard question because most of the time I would say no. You know, I'm going to fuss at my own child for making a bed, but if I had a child visiting me and they didn't make their bed, either one, um, I might make their bed for them, right? I might. More than likely, though, what would be easier, right, is little Johnny's staying or whatever. And I'm like, Hey Johnny, will you run upstairs and just make your bed and give him one more chance to make his bed instead of walking around? I can't believe Johnny didn't make his bed. He is such a rude visitor in our house, right? 
I would extend much grace, much benevolence. He may have just sprung out of bed and wanted to come down for breakfast and didn't even think about his bed. He's a child. You see, when I begin to apply that question, how would I address this with someone else's child? It changes the way I address it with my own. Would I grumble about someone else's child about this or that? Or would I invest the time to teach someone else's child something? And what I find is more often than not, I'm so much more willing to extend grace to someone else's child than I am to my own. But God has extended all grace unto us. And it says in in Psalms, it says he remembers that we are made of dust. And there are parts of my day where I have to go, Lord, that child is so dusty. Help me to be kind as I come to them and say, hey, can you remember too something? Or when I bring them to a correction. Perhaps all day long I've been correcting them because they've been snippy and rude to every other child all day long. And honestly, by about two in the afternoon, I'm going to be over it. I'm going to be tired about it. But if I can remember that they're dusty, and if I can say, if this were someone else's child who was being snippy and rude, I still would never fuss at that other child like I can and have fussed at my own. So how can I work with this child in a way that shows hospitality, shows welcoming heart, shows an openness in my attitude towards them? Having a soft heart, an open attitude, one that's listening, not just determining already what you've done wrong, but really listening, trying to see your viewpoint. And we've got to guard against the grumbling mommy culture. So those are the things that I need to keep in check in my own heart. As I'm spending my time with the Great Shepherd, these are the things I'm beginning to keep on the forefront. These are my prayers. Lord, help me to love my children earnestly. Lord, help me to show openness and a hospitality, a welcoming to them with no grumbling. Help me to glorify you in my home. Now, after that part, there is the part of the other, which is how do we become students of our children in such a way that we understand the pitfalls that they'll probably trip in, the places that they will constantly fall down? Because our children, just like we have natural sin tendencies, they have natural sin tendencies. And what I mean by that is you and I, if we were to sit truly at this table together and begin to share where do we constantly trip up, I would imagine that our stories are different of how we've experienced God's grace. Whether it's lying, selfishness, pridefulness, love of self, you and I, God is constantly at work. And I will testify in my own walk that there are things that were issues that I was struggling with at 25. And while God is showing me more and more how to trust him with that and allow him to work there and to teach me how to respond better, I will still oftentimes go back into the same pattern of behavior. And our children do the same thing. You know, some of my children have really struggled with boundary control where like you establish a boundary, you can't go beyond that. And buddy, they're going to put their foot right on that line and position their body right up against it. So just the slightest wobble and they've stepped out in disobedience. 
and rebellion. And some of my children, obedience and I mean, they will obey no matter what. Obedience has never really been a struggle for them, but they maybe struggle with being honest and being truthful. They're so concerned about being self-protective and making sure they don't look bad that they'll lie to you about things that don't even need to be lied about. And some of our children, more than others of our children, can be selfish. You know, I've had some children that doesn't matter What they went to, if they were offered a treat, they would get a treat for every one of their siblings, even if it meant they didn't get a treat for themselves. And others of my kids have never thought about one of their siblings when they're offered a treat. They just get one for themselves and get back in the car and everybody's like, I didn't get one. And they're like, nope, you didn't. So love of self, you know, it can be in some children and it's not as a parent in others. It's our job as students of our children, as the shepherd who leads them to the good shepherd, to understand the tendencies of our little sheep, to spend some time studying them. Why? Because I think when you study your child, you will begin to see how the gospel comes to bear in their life. You see, my child who is perpetually thinking of others and sharing and caring for others, that's not going to be the struggle spot where Jesus is going to be super important because it's easy for them to share. So it's, it's kind of natural for them to share. But man, maybe it's hard for them to be honest when they feel like maybe they're going to get in trouble. And they need to understand the security that God offers us through Jesus And that just because you've done something unwise or sinful, you are still solid in your relationship with God. And he loves you no matter what. That's what grace is. That may be the messaging they need to understand. They may need to understand maybe they're a child who is so easily impatient with others because they're kind of prideful and they think they know it all and they know everything. And so they're constantly putting your the other child or sibling down and being rude and or saying just kidding jokes that aren't really just kidding. And they need to understand that God and God alone will help them guard their words. But that their insecurity, which is usually at the bottom of that kind of pride, they don't need to be perfect in God's eyes. That they are secure. That it says in Isaiah 43, you are precious in my sight and dearly loved. They need to know that. And the more we study our children and the more we watch them interact and we more we almost like little scientists go, I wonder why every other child in the family has conflict with this child over this and such issue. What's going on in that one child's life? What lies are they believing at the bottom in their soul that need the impact that Jesus brings through the gospel. You see, because before we can really be great at the rhythm of connection, we need to understand who our child is, their strengths, the places that God is just going to show out because he has created them with these beautiful giftings, and then their weaknesses that, again, God has designed to show out in. His glory abounds in our weakness. 
And that is what we speak to our children, over our children in the days as we're learning and we're seeing it. And we're like, I see you and I know you struggle with selfishness. I know you struggle with obeying the plans of somebody else that you just think you know the right way and you just want it to be your way. But I'm here to tell you that I am praying for you because I know Jesus can change your heart in this area. And you begin to speak words of life over them and into them. And you are praying purposely for them based exactly on who they are. So when then you are faced with a day where it's two o'clock in the afternoon and this one child has fought his way through the day with everybody, including you, and you've just about had it, you can meet him in the bathroom, not with anger, with impatience, with frustration and irritation, but you can meet him in the bathroom, like it says in First Peter 4, loving him earnestly and showing hospitality to him. I love the verse in 1 Corinthians 13 where it's the, you know, it's the famous passage on love. But this one, this one little phrase draws me up short every time. It says, um, it says, love is, hold on, I gotta find it. Love is patient, love is kind. And then it talks about the fact that love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Here's what I love. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. This is a love that is rooted in Holy Spirit activity. But the tr- this phrase, love believes all things. When we bring that back in and we really understand the meaning of that, it is this belief in the, in the good so that I can meet this child at 2.15 in the bathroom and instead of choosing to be irritated when I'm beginning to understand, oh, there, I am establishing over the summer a rhythm of connection for me to my child and for my child to all the other children. And I mean, the reality is this is just his sin tendency. God's been showing me this and teaching me this, that this is something that this child will have to grow in for the rest of his life. It's not going to just magically go away, but the more the spirit has control, the more he surrenders to God in his life, the more we will see fruit here instead of sin here. And I am believing for that. And so I can step in that bathroom with a different heartbeat for that child. Then if I'm just fussing my way into that bathroom saying, all you're doing today is fussing with everybody and it's getting on my nerves and it's messing everybody up because that cuts connection when we communicate that way. But when we communicate in gospel conversation, when we're saying, I see this and man, I, I get this is a struggle area for you. But let me tell you the truth, the good news for you. Jesus came to set you free in this. I'm sure you're not happy with the fact that you fought with everybody today. It doesn't give you joy. It doesn't make you feel apart, feel included. And then the more you study your child, you can begin to understand the lies the enemy, even at very young ages, has already fed into the base of the soul of your child. That they're not wanted, accepted, good enough. Nobody likes them as much as so-and-so. They're this, they're not this. They're God will give you insight to that. Because that is part of loving one another earnestly. 
is we're going to begin to pray purposefully that God would show us exactly what's going on with each of our children, that we will be a student of our child in order that we can ultimately call them to him. But this takes time. It demands of us time, y'all. And so my encouragement to you is this is an important rhythm to create, to honor it and to push for it and to sit with the shepherd and go, how can I know this child more in his heart of hearts? You see, one thing I've noticed too is when we lead our children, we offer them rest, right? That's what the shepherd offers us in Psalm 23. It says he leads us by in um, still waters. In path, he tells us to lie down in pastures. He restores our soul. Oftentimes, for in my children's pattern of behavior, when there is a lot of disconnection, for whatever reasons, if I pull back a little bit and say, "Wait, we're trying to establish a rhythm of connection," and all I'm seeing. There's a bunch of disconnection. Nobody's, I don't feel very connected to anybody. Nobody else is feeling very connected. The, the temperature in our house is super hot. We've got lot, everybody's snappy and quick to, to be rude. What's going on? Oftentimes, there are also some things in play that as the temperature setter in my home, not only am I choosing to love earnestly, offer hospitality, believe all things, speak gospel conversations and words of life over my children, but finally I'm going to set the environment. And part of connection has to happen with rest. We already talked about it last week, but now I'm talking about it from like a different angle. The rhythm of connection will happen when you are a rested individual. And we are living in a culture right now where screens and media really actually stimulate us and make us unrested people. So one thing that I've learned parenting my crew is that when I'm seeing a high, high level of disconnection and I layer that on top of, well, how much TV or video games or phone time or how much of that is everybody having? Usually there's a correlation. Low connection, high screen time. Screen time is an individualized activity. It has nothing to do with connection. In fact, it's disconnecting. If you are a mom of littles, my biggest encouragement is we need to understand how to strengthen connectivity muscles, whether they're little or big. With our big ones who have their own devices, I will typically do detoxes where we just pull them all away. It's not so much punishment. It's not designed as punishment. It's designed to be cleansing, to be a detox. With our little ones, my encouragement to you is spend the time with your children. When you're in a buggy, when they're in a buggy, with you at Target or at the grocery store or wherever they are. Let them be with you. When you go to restaurants, understand you have to strengthen muscles that maybe haven't even had to work. Maybe maybe you've always handed them something to occupy their time while you get the grocery shopping done. And I'm not going to sit here and condemn that, but I'm going to encourage you to understand that, well, then they don't really have any muscles to handle it, right? 
I mean, like if somebody told me today I had to go run a marathon, I do not have the muscles to run a marathon. But how could I run a marathon? If I began to exercise my muscles a little bit every day, pacing it longer and longer and longer. But more important to your child than whatever's on a screen is your face and who you are and your conversation with them. And I will literally with my little people, I will, we will all go through the, um, the store and I, I will spend all this time teaching them how to compare prices and talking about what we should get and what we shouldn't get and why we're not going to get it. And what are we going to do for dinner tonight? And how are we going to do that? And do you like that? What's your favorite color? Do you see your favorite color in the store? And just conversation. And I am purposefully demanding their muscles to get stronger at engaging with me in places that sometimes have been hard. And then we do it in restaurants we, nobody has a phone and we engage. And yes, that means that there have been countless meals where either daddy or me have taken children who won't obey and sit in their seat or begin to lose their mind outside to get a reset. And we walk around outside. We talk about the importance of behaving so they can go in to be with everybody I know you can do it. I know it's hard, but you can do it. I believe in you. Maybe we can ask for more crayons and a coloring sheet. But we begin to exercise those muscles of connection because it is necessary. It is needed. And in the rhythm of summer, we can begin to have that because we have set, we have purposely set a lower pace. We are purposely setting a lower temperature And we are seeking to grow muscles in our kids and help them understand you can do this. And I want to do it with you. I am, I am your biggest fan and I am interested in you. And honestly, target buggy rides speak lots into the soul of our children that they are a value to us. We can love them earnestly, pushing them in a target buggy. So if you are struggling with these and you're like, I don't know if I could do any of this. I want you to understand something. My encouragement to you is begin with one, not all, just one. Say, this is the rhythm of connection we're going to do this summer. This is the one I'm going to do as your mother. I'm going to choose this and maybe ride out. I'm going to, this is how I'm going to choose to understand each of my children, get a journal and say, I want to know, I want to be a student of my child. God, show me that. And then maybe you just pick one way to teach connection. And that's enough. Because y'all, baby steps are important in kingdom living. They really are. And the way we follow the good shepherd is we understand his voice and we follow behind him. And we trust that our children are following behind us. Thanks for coming to the table today. And let me encourage you to reach out to me. Send me a a DM on Instagram or an email to the show, letting me know if you have questions or if what about this may have been confusing because I would love to hear how God successfully begins to increase your rhythm of connection. I hope you enjoyed this episode of When God Breaks Through. If you're wanting to connect with me and with other moms walking in the same messy moments, 
head over to bethanykimsey.com. That's where you'll also find the show notes with any links, as well as more resources you can grab to help you see that when God breaks through, when we see Jesus at work, the fuzzy intersection of real-life mothering and the gospel becomes very clearly defined. We can walk with confidence and purpose. Have a grace-filled day.